Jesus liked to use stories, didn't he? I'm going to use them not just to entertain, but to illustrate a point, at least in part. He even prefaced this one. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. There's the reason behind the story. And then what follows? Well, there was this widow who was persistent. She persevered. And even an unjust judge gave her a righteous judgment. Then comes the moral, the point. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? He will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. God will secure justice, but we have a part to play. Pray always, look to him, collaborate with him for a just decision. St. Augustine said prayer is not so much to change God, but to change ourselves. Collaborate with God for a just decision. That's not it, is it? And that's not the whole thing. The moral of the story is meant to help us in our life, but our life is part of a larger story. Our little narrative is part of a much greater narrative. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith, anyone loyal to him on earth? The story of our life is part of a larger story. The moral of the small story is to help us assume our role in this much larger story or drama. To pray always is a counsel intended to affect how we live, which has a bearing on our part in the story that has something to do with the coming of the Son of Man. And that's a biblical image for the one to be judged in the right, which happened with Jesus at his resurrection. John Paul II liked stories, too. In his papacy, he looked back and he described himself in his youth as someone being completely absorbed by a passion for literature, especially dramatic literature, and for the theater. John Paul II understood that one doesn't simply go to the theater to be entertained, unlike most of what's on Netflix. Just divert our attention. Not much beyond that. Very little meaning. No, he said the theater should have a different point to it. It's meant to be that place which we participate in something transcendent and what the story is attempting to reveal or in what stands behind the play. Sometimes that happens, and when it does, we get caught up in it. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You lose track of time, even you lose track of where you're actually at. Something lies behind the play, the story, the drama, and the story helps us understand how to take our place in the drama of human existence, which has God as its author. Now, John Paul II understood that our part in this larger drama takes shape in the gap between the person I am and the person I ought to be. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the dramatic experiences have. That's the adventure of life, he said. Within that gap between the person I am and the person I ought to be. I mean, you could hear that there's a moral component to that. There's an encounter between good and evil. Which brings us to our first reading. Moses was described with his hands raised high like this, right? That's a gesture of prayer. 
This is no mere battle between armies, and that's it. No, this happens within the spiritual life. This is a spiritual event. It's a spiritual battle. A rabbi that I'd like to read said, notice that the Bible indicates this is the first battle that the Israelites are said to fight themselves. All the other battles that occurred before this, the Bible records God fought for them. But at this point, something changes. And he wrote this. The anger of God, so often expressed in the Hebrew Bible, is actually not anger, but anguish. The anguish of a parent who sees a child do wrong, but knows that he or she may not intervene if the child is to ever grow, to learn, to mature, to change, to become responsible. That's the turning point marked by the battles before and after the division of the Red Sea. The difference between them is between the war God fights for us and the war we fight for God. The first is miraculous, the second only metaphorically so. The war God fights changes nature, even to the point of dividing a sea, but the war we fight changes us. And that's something God cannot do for us. We can only do it for ourselves. As long as the Israelites were totally dependent on God, they remained quarrelous and quarrelsome in a state of arrested development. Only when they fought their own battles did they eventually and painfully, slowly, begin to acknowledge God. Isn't that good? Anger is more like anguish. God sees the battle. He sees the mistakes. And he allows that possibility so that his children might actually mature and grow. That's the difference between the battles now. An early Christian by the name of Origen, he lived in the second century, had noticed that all those decades, millennia ago, he noticed that that was the first battle God did not fight for the Israelites. But... He said, look, Moses was not victorious on his own. In the spiritual life, you cannot triumph on your own. It's only when you're part of a community that supports you. Aaron and her were involved. And then he said this. In the Latin and the Greek Bible, the name Joshua is identical to the name Jesus. It's the same name. And he said, look who's doing the fighting. Look who's involved. He's fighting what? With the sword. Jesus, our Jesus, is fighting with the word that Paul says is sharper than any two-edged sword. And then Origen said, and the difference is, after that last battle that God fought for them, the Israelites received the bread from heaven, the manna. He said, look, this has to do with being spiritually nourished and maturation, a willingness to engage in the evil within and the evil without. A biographer of John Paul II wrote that in so many ways, John Paul II said, don't ever settle for anything less than the spiritual and moral greatness that the grace of God makes possible in your life. Never, ever settle, he said, for anything less than the spiritual and moral greatness that the grace of God makes possible in your life. And when you fail, as we all do, don't lower the bar of expectation. Get up. 
seek forgiveness, be reconciled to God. Our part in this large drama takes shape in the gap between the person I am and the person I ought to be. So the question becomes, who are you? Who ought you to be? What's holding you back? In what areas are you settling? Be persistent, persevere, seek forgiveness when necessary. Don't lose heart and don't lose sight of the larger story. Praying always isn't about getting whatever you want, but about collaborating with God to establish justice, which begins with the drama of our own heart and extends all the way to eternity.